Zay. Chip. Hey, there we go. Yeah, man. Get those dudes out of here. It ain't even their turn anyway. Messing stuff up, man. See ya. See ya. Ray. All right. Damn. Zay, let's get this party started in the immortal words of Judy Brown. Happiness is a choice. We're happy you're spending some time with us. Chip and Zay, the echoless Chip and Zay. What's up, man? You look at you with that South Florida tan and everything. Oh my gosh. Come on, baby. What's up? Hey, before we get all into the Longhorns, man, can I just give a shout out to my wife for surprising me with a birthday trip to Tampa to watch my Lions take on Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. We had a great time. We hung out on the beach. We ate seafood. We went to the game. It was beautiful. It was even cool. The Lions won. It was fantastic. I'm just saying, Zay. Yeah, you can man, make fun that was of me. A good game to go to. You know, the videos yeah. that you send and stuff. Like you were, you got some good seats. And yeah, your wife, she hooked it up, man. That's that's a that's a good one right there that you got. I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what, little Sentex tickets action. And that's what it's all about. One of the great sponsors of the Texas Sports Unfiltered Network. Um, and yeah, so we were sitting right behind the Lions bench. And that's where the, the Lions, like before the game, that's where their VIP area was. So all the players, wives, the families were all down there. Like Hutchinson's gargantuan mother and father were down there. Wait, is mama big? Oh, yeah, she's tall. Oh, wow. Tall. She looks like she plays some that. volleyball somewhere. Okay. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Miriam Brown. We did not connect. But, um, you know, of course, she was down there for Amon Ra. Uh, my guy Amon Ra was rocking my Amon Ra St. Brown jersey. And, of course, he scored on that crazy play where Craig Reynolds knocked out that uh that tampa defensive back man and and cleared the way for amirata score that was crazy that reminded me of quan cosby knocking out lendy holmes <laughs> yeah, yeah that was a killer block i'm just saying did you watch it yeah watch the whole thing yeah. The whole thing. And this Lions team, they just got better. You know, when David Montgomery, when he gets hurt with that uh, shoulder injury, you already don't have Jameer Gibbs. And they go to Reynolds and that dude's out here laying out blocks. And, you know, they're just able to move the ball. Jared Goff looked terrific. And now they got Jamison Williams back. Like they underratedly have one of the best wide receiver rooms in the league. Like Josh Reynolds, he's solid. Laporta, the rookie tight end that they got. I mean, and Amon Ross St. Brown might be the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. Like he's the guy that been to the Pro Bowl, hasn't been in the league that long. I know we talk to John every week, but that dude needs his credit. That dude needs to be talked about with the Devontae Adams and the Stefan Diggs and, you know, Mike Evans. Like he needs to be mentioned with those guys because it's week after week that he's putting up numbers. And him and Jared Goff, they got as good as chemistry as any quarterback wide receiver duo in the league right now. 
And you know what it is, Zay? He's not a big guy at all, but he runs such good routes. He gets separation at the top of his route, and he's tough. So he runs the across the middle stuff. He runs all the stuff to the sticks when they need third and short or when they need third and 10. Like he he's the one running the, the outcut or the dig. He just runs the tough stuff, man. And and uh, Jared Goff trusts him like and he throws it like when he's going over the middle and, you know, and Amon knows he's going to get blasted. Jared Goff will throw it low so that he can just grab it and brace. Go down, yeah. Brace for the shot, you know? Yeah. And there's just a there is a cool chemistry there. And you can see Goff, man. He is he is the he's the war daddy of that group. After the game, there was a ton of Lions fans there. Goff came over and was like, you know, kind of got it all going and He's just a totally confident alpha on that team. So Jared Goff, man, he's taking a team to a Super Bowl. I'm sure he's telling these Lions, you know, what what it's all about. We'll see. I'm not getting ahead of the – I'm not getting ahead of myself because – What you mean? Come on, that curse is over with. You saw the uh, Eagles and the 49ers go down. Y'all in the mix, baby. Why not y'all? Both Let's those go. teams are vulnerable. That's yeah, that. dog. Sip that Kool Aid and put some uh, yak in it. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, don't yeah, play sip. Come on, man. You talk about that 50 year curse that's going on 60 something years. Hey, man. Come on, it's looking good right now. It's looking good right now. I can't even lie. You got Aiden Hutchinson in that defense. I mean, Baker Mayfield. I texted you before the game talking about I hope he plays terribly just because he was wilding at the State Fair over a week ago with his Sooners and his horns down at and yada, yada, yada. Baker's so dramatic. So, okay, Baker, instead of being at the State Fair having a good old time celebrating with the Sooners and stuff like that, yo ass should be training. Yo ass should be studying film. You know what I'm saying? Maybe getting away and uh, kicking your feet back. Because the way you look, you look like you haven't touched the ball since two weeks ago. With the way he looks, 17 for 39, just couldn't really get anything going. Like, bro, you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I have no sympathy for you, Baker. Zero. Two of those guys, they could easily be the top two duo in the league. With Tom Brady, they work. He's Tom Brady, so that's a bad comparison. But still, those guys, you got weapons, man. And And he missed two deep. He missed two deep shots to Trey Palmer that could have been touchdowns mm. on separate drives. So, yeah, Baker was off. He was off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and maybe he should have stayed in Tampa Bay, like what real quarterbacks do, and, you know, watch some film and keep grinding. Because he, he, the way that he was acting, Ship, at the State Fair, at the Red River Shootout, he acted like he was a household name quarterback still like in the league. Like he acted like he was on some Aaron Rodgers type stuff. Like he acted like, but he was Patrick Mahomes and he out here high five and Corso and shooting that dumbass sooner gun that they have to shoot and stuff like yo Baker, your life ain't that gravy. You can get benched any moment, bro. You better be humble. You better. That's them sooners, man. You better get humble. Cause the way that you talking crazy out here. All right, cool. 
All right, the Lions got some for your ass, and they did. And now everybody's talking about, oh, man, the team that was leading the NFC South. Now, what's going on? I mean, the Saints lost, so they probably still are. But, okay, Baker, stay humble, my it. guy. Stay humble. Mm. I'm just telling you, I like the way that I like the way the Lions defense is coming together, too, because that was the problem last year. Now they're holding them, you know, holding Tampa Bay, all that firepower you just talked about to six points. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. And now yeah, they got back there playing linebacker. What's my man's name? You got that long Who? name. Oh, uh, 34. Yeah. As a loney, yeah, Thor, that dude be headhunting. I like him. Dude, he old school with it. He is relentless. <laughs> he he is relentless. I like As a loney. Yeah, man. He's, yeah, I mean, Thor. Yeah. Yeah, he, he got that look. Like, I know he's not much of like a edge rusher like Clay Matthew was, but he has that motor that when Clay Matthews was with the Green Bay during this hay, he has that same motor. And obviously they look alike, but yeah, man, I like I like that dude. That dude sets a tone for that Dan Campbell D. I love it. I love it. Zay, you were doing your deep dive yesterday. Oh, hey, man, I you were at the game. I had to check it out. And plus, I needed to see Baker lose like that. I need to see any Sooner loss or any Sooner just struggle. I need that in my life right now because I'm still bitter. I'm still petty about Red River shootout, uh, you know, last week. I'm still petty oh, yeah. about that. So, yeah, man, oh, yeah. Baker, Baker playing the way he did, I needed that. That made me feel good. Uh, that made me feel real good, especially – and plus, you're Lions, man. I want you to have a good time. I don't want you to travel all that way to see a loss. You deserve to see a dub. With all the heartbreak that you've had being a Lions fan, your pops, come on, man. Y'all deserve some type of happiness, and I'm glad you got that, my guy. Zay, now it's off to the Super Bowl. I don't care what anyone says. You're all right. You know what I mean? You are all right. right. I appreciate that, man. All right. So I know I'm late to the party because Jalen Ford was a little bit late to the party. And we will be joined by Dan Neal, former All-American offensive lineman, get his thoughts on the Texas Longhorns coming out of the out of the off week, two-time Super Bowl winner, Dan Neal. But uh but Zay, obviously, you know, some of the some of the stuff that's top of mind for the Longhorns is this injury report that Sark is just like, everyone was at practice. Yeah, but what were they doing? Like, who, who's going to play? Like, who's, who? you know, he's he's always so vague about that stuff. But, I mean, he made it sound like, you know, Cole Hudson was out there. Jake Majors was out there. And he said Cole Hudson might have been the most limited. If that's true, then Connor Robertson is going to be back on the saddle um, this week. So I don't, I didn't know what to make of that injury report, honestly. So, you know, we're still waiting to find out if if uh, Ryan Watts' hamstring is is okay, if Jalen Catalan's calf is okay. Um, so I didn't, I didn't take a whole bunch out of that. I'll, I'll know more a little bit, you know, hopefully tomorrow, but, um, 
you know, he talked about the red zone offense and took a bunch of blame on himself, said it's game plan. It's, it's play calling. You know, we, we went back and looked at what people do well and what we can expect them to do with confidence. So we'll see if the red zone offense gets better. It was obviously a top priority. Um, you know, only Baylor and Cincinnati have a worse touchdown to red zone trip ratio than Texas. Ugh. Yeah, that's it's not where you want to be. Texas right now is at 40. They're at 40. I just wrote this down. They are at um, 45.8%. They have 11 touchdowns in 24 red zone trips. Baylor has 10 in 28. They're at 35.7%. And Cincinnati has 10 touchdowns in 23 red zone trips. They're at 43.5%. And then it's Texas at 45.8%. So it's a problem. It costs them the OU game, arguably. Um, it's a huge thing that they got to get fixed. But what I liked of the players that were asked about it, Christian Jones said, it's a mindset, man. It's a mindset. The players just have to take, take no, you know, we're not taking no for an answer. We're coming away with a touchdown. So let's see if the players can, can get that figured out. Obviously a healthy offensive line or as healthy as it can be will help in that direction. But, um, you know, I think Jonathan Brooks gets it. And now it's it's a matter of having success and then building on that success because that stuff's contagious. If you go into the red zone thinking, oh, we got, are we doing, uh, you know, no, you got to you got to play confident, play fast. It can't change once you cross the 20. Yeah. And and Sark, I thought, took a good chunk of the blame and he should because. He's got to put them in the position to make it happen. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I heard the Savion Red question today. Maybe utilizing him more in that red zone, not just those fourth down plays. But, yeah, you got to spice it up a little bit. I like what Christian Jones is saying, but you can't have an arrogant mindset. I felt like that was the mentality that they had against Oklahoma. Like, yeah, we're just going to overpower them. It don't matter what we call. Like, that's kind of what I'm hearing from what Christian Jones is saying there. And it's, it's cool to have that confidence, but – we saw, especially on that just four-play stop on the one-yard line, that's not always the case. Sometimes you got to mix it up and do different things to catch the defense off guard. The defense knew exactly what was coming, and Steve Sarkeesian, I appreciate him taking the blame, but you're not going to see a defense like that until you maybe play Oklahoma again in that Big 12 championship if you get there. So, I, yeah, we need to see more success, you know, whether that's Gunnar Helm and JT Sanders in the mix, those big targets, you know, throw those guys the ball. I haven't really seen, you know, I talked about that whip route that Xavier Worthy ran last season against Iowa State. Like, maybe are you saving that for another fourth down try like that was to win the game? I don't know, Sark, but – 
you better go deep in that bag, like all the way to the bottom where there's like loose change and French fries and shit to find stuff. Because what you just said, man, I don't like it. Baylor, Cincinnati, you don't want to be even close to those teams in any type of stat in 2023. So all this offensive talent. Yeah. Yeah. There's too much talent there. There's too much talent. So Sark's reputation as a play caller. Yeah. This can't be happening. Yeah, exactly. So clean it up. You got to clean it up. You know, the red zone's a big part of the game and capitalizing on those opportunities. That's going to be huge toward your success because like I was telling Trey Allen before you jumped on ship, with what we've seen in college football and who knows how it's going to turn out. You got the Pac-12 looking crazy, like the team who wins that, even though USC and Oregon lost this week. If Washington wins out, they're going to be in. Like that guy, they're going to be in. That high-powered offense, you got Michael Penix, who might be the front-runner of the Heisman now since Caleb Williams threw three interceptions all in the first half against Notre Dame. Then you look on the other side in the Big Ten, you know, you got Ohio State and Penn State, huge game this weekend. But I just have a very tough feeling thinking that a team that loses one game in that Big Ten East won't make it. Like, that's just hard to even fathom right now, especially with how good Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan look. And then SEC, we know they want to throw one of those teams in. you got to look at Florida State. So you want to start blowing out teams. Like, you, there's no, oh, we're going to have these two-possession wins and stuff. That's great and all. But with losing to Oklahoma, beforehand it was just win. Okay, it's still just win, but now it's to win easily. It's to show no doubt that this team was ever in the game and was ever on your level. Because you got to show the committee, man, Texas is pissed off. they blowing teams out. They're making embarrassing teams, making them look bad. Because that's what Michigan's doing. Michigan ain't letting teams score over 10 points. Then they putting up 50 for Harbaugh's squad. So, yeah, you got to capitalize on every opportunity. Tough. They got to like, cover. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's you got to cover and then like some. You're favored so, by yeah. 22 and a half. At Hell yeah. you gotta Hell cover. Yeah. You gotta yeah. cover. Yeah, think about all the partying them boys did after that Hell Mary catch on Thursday night. They had all weekend the party. All weekend the party. And you know, you could use that as oh, they had extra time to get healthy and you know get ready for Texas. Nah, them boys were partying, man. After <laughs> when you win like that for your first Big 12 win of the year, oh, you're gonna live it up and Dana Hogerson, he's going to have a huge job of bringing those guys back down to life. Like, hey, y'all, we're playing the toughest or at least roster-wise the best team that we've played all year. Let's chill. Like, let's let's make sure we're locked in because they easily could come in a little lackadaisical, and Texas needs to jump on that. Hey, Dana might have been buying the shots. <laughs> Knowing Dana. <laughs> for real he might have been real. buying the shots yeah that uh that was unbelievable that that was unbelievable so we were driving in to you know we got in late thursday so we're listening to the game on the radio and we're listening to the to the houston broadcast and you know West Virginia scores with what 12 seconds left. Yep, 12 seconds. Garrett Green taking off his helmet, looking in the crowd, 
basically waving at them and stuff. Mm. Flag. <laughs> so that moves them 15 yards up, and they end up, you know, basically they got two plays left. They throw a little pass to get to the 49, and then the Hail Mary, and it bounces right and to the to the cougar receivers hands touchdown ball game and you're like what on earth and you know sark was asked about it today because of course texas tried to hail mary at the end of the oklahoma game from about the same spot zay i mean quinn got it to the end zone and it just didn't you know bounce the way that one bounced but you can't ever you got to look at that play as a real thing it can't just be like oh here we go i mean sometimes that that stuff bounces the right way and it did on that one and so okay west virginia gets knocked out but here's the thing like you're watching oregon and washington Dan Lanning needs to slow down and kick some field goals. You're on the road. Like he was gambling every damn time. It was like, dude, you're on the road. Take some points. Don't be chasing points. Don't be going for two unless you are. I like, I'm, I'm just of the belief that like you're on the road, take the points. Don't chase that two point conversion until you absolutely have to, because you don't know, you may not need it. And if you go back and add up all this stuff that he's, he, he didn't kick two field goals. He chased a two point conversion that he didn't get. That would have been enough. You know, Dan Lanning needs to slow down a little bit. Take some, yeah. take some points, man. Cause he left, he left, he gambles. He gambles too much. And I yeah. get that. He, yeah. but. he has a lot of meathead in him. I mean, if you go back to, you know, this pregame speech versus Dion and Colorado, like he has a lot of meathead and arrogance in him to where it don't matter what we do, y'all can't stop it. Like that's that's what he was thinking. And I also thought that he was really afraid of that Washington offense. And just how high powering they are and how much they score. So he was trying to get an upper hand and maybe deflate the Huskies by getting those gamble two point conversions and going for fourth downs and stuff like that. But he's young and he admitted it. You know, he owned up to his play calling and he said that loss was on me. And yeah, hell of a game out there. That was one of the best games of the season. And those two teams, man, that was big time rival right there with Oregon and you dub but um yeah dan lanning he'll learn he's still very young and yeah i think that he was just got a little over his skis a little too overconfident with how he was you know trying to orchestrate that game and play a chess match against washington and it probably cost him well they're they're on the stage now like you said, you're going to have Ohio State, Penn State. These other teams are taking center stage now who haven't played the marquee matchups that Texas has against Alabama and Oklahoma. 
And so now you're about to see who's real and who's not. And, you know, USC, they don't have the defense to compete. Alabama keeps winning. You know, Georgia keeps winning. Now you've got Washington. We got to see Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State all look good. But, yeah, it's getting crowded. And Texas has – you're right. Texas has to – they got to win – Convincingly, because that's what that's what Michigan and, you know, Penn State are doing. And we'll see how that game, you know, turns out this week. That's easily, you know, a marquee matchup that will have everyone's attention. But Texas has got to they got to like say, hey, we're still here because they've had the stage. Now they're going off the stage. They're playing Houston. They're playing BYU that got beat up again by TCU. And we got new quarterbacks in the Big 12, Zay. Yeah, a lot. Josh Hoover. Yeah. Avery Johnson. Kansas State. Avery Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Not this Avery, man. Not the one that said, yo, David, 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 come on, David, pass it out. Tammy, Tammy, come on, Tammy, pass it out. Come on, man, pop. Pop, are we running? Pop. <laughs> Wrong Avery Johnson. Oh, that my God. Yo, Mike Harge does a great Avery Johnson. Hanging with Harge. Maybe you can do that for you tomorrow on the show. Your guy, Mike Ooh. Harge, has an incredible Avery Johnson impersonation. Mine's tacky. Mine's horrible. But, yeah, it's that high-pitched squeak, man. Like, that'd be something crazy just hearing that dude taking snaps, playing quarterback. I think that'd be illegal. You have to get that dude in another position just because that voice, man. And I love Avery. I love Spurs Avery. That shot he hit against the Knicks, still legendary. It doesn't get talked about enough in sport, uh, Spurs history. We always talk about Tony Parker and Manu and stuff like that. Avery Johnson needs his recognition. Well, let me reel you back in for a second. Did K-State thumping Texas Tech in Lubbuttics 38 to 21 change your mind on K-State with Avery Johnson, the new Avery Johnson, the white Avery Johnson <laughs> at quarterback instead of Will Howard? Um, no. No, I mean, I think Will Howard's hurt right now, and it's showing. You know, he's trying to play as much as he can because he's tough. But, no, especially when Jake Strong out there, come on, man, give me a break. That dude is awful. Like, Tyler Shuck, you, we knew everything that uh, – Joey McGuire put in with Tyler Shug, Donovan Smith, who the Horns are going to face this week at Houston. Like, he was off a lot of guys. So, for Shuck to get hurt, and now you got to deal with this guy, Jake Strong, as I think Kansas State is a little overrated. Plus, Kansas State lost that. They're really good linebacker in that Missouri game. He's out for the season. Daniel Green. And, you know, yeah, Daniel Green. So, yeah, <laughs> they're they're reeling right now, but they that was a good win in Lubbock. That's a tough place to play, and yeah, Jake Texas Strong. Tech. I just think they look. I just think they look that bad to where you can't give Kansas State that much credit. Yeah, yeah, I think Joey put a little little karma hex on himself, talking about how great his quarterback room was before the season. 
Oh yeah, Brent, uh, your mark was a part of that too. He sprinkled his little karma on there too. Yeah, he sprinkled it. He didn't have to do that, <laughs> you know. So still got to play every week, fellas. That's why yeah. this Texas team who might have got a little over them, you know, got a little too confident themselves going five and zero. Oh, we see Oklahoma on film. They ain't played us yet. Come on now, Iowa State, Cincinnati. Those teams are trash, man. They ain't worried about 49-0 last year. You know, they ain't worried about being embarrassed and trying to redeem themselves. Well, you know, I like what Quinn Ewer said today. Re they're refocused, recentered mentality, you know, wake-up call. I'll take that. I, I, I need that. That's what you need to use. Whenever you lose and you think you're better than what you were, you, you're still a really good team, but sometimes you need a wake-up call. And I think Texas still has their goals in front of them. It's just going to be a lot harder than it was before that Oklahoma game. Yeah, because think about, like, what game is going to grab your attention? Like, um, I mean – Houston, BYU, K-State, at TCU, at Iowa State, Texas Tech, none. But they're going to be hard. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean they're it doesn't mean they're going to be easy games. It's just not going to grab the rest of the country's attention, the committee's attention. So Texas has to they got to be a wrecking machine from here on out. And then when they play, if they play. OU again in the Big 12 title game, they got to be convincing in that win too. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to no run it up. Prepare. Zero. And you're running up the score on folks to where we're questioning Sarks. You know, does this guy have any heart? I want that. I want that to be asked. Like, man, that's Steve Sarkeesian. He don't have to run up the score like that. Damn that. Yes, we do. You saw what happened to Colorado on Friday. They should have ran up the score. You got their quarterback, Shadur Sanders, oh, doing all this and that. The dude was on his phone at halftime promoting his merch, Chip. Can you believe that? Damn. The dude, 29-0, they were up, and then Stanford went crazy. He took it to double overtime, and Shadur Sanders ended up throwing the pick in the end zone, and Stanford ended up winning that game. Dion. His worst loss of his life, probably going back to his Florida State, Atlanta Falcons, 49ers, Cowboys days. Like, that's the worst loss of his life. Yeah, man. Like, of his life. Trash. And Stanford's trash, too. Like, Rodney Harrison's trash. What he said about uh, Zach Wilson type stuff. Like, yes, they are not good. So, yeah, you can't. These games, these teams, they're going to keep fighting. They're going to keep fighting. And. You're right, Chip. Zero, just zero doubt that you're going to handle your business so your goals are still set out for you to accomplish. What did what did Mike Leach say? It's not my job to keep my team from scoring. Yeah. Just roll with that. Yeah. And roll because that's what it's going to take from, from here on out. I mean, yeah. it's going to take rolling. All right, let's roll with uh, a little reminder that it's Monday, so it's all-night happy hour at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, all-night happy hour. Here's what you do, kids. 
Make your plan right now. You got Cowboys, Chargers, the Kellen Moore Bowl tonight. So head over to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Trust me. I just had a weekend of seafood. This is where you want to be. You want the best seafood? Go to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. This is our man, Jack Gilmore. He's got Jack Allen's Kitchen you love. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, Monday, all night happy hour. $5 off appetizers. Just load up on the appetizer menu. Eat like a king for basically fast food prices, okay? And check out the Cowboys and the Chargers. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. I mean, happy hour every night from 3.30 to 6.30, but happy hour all night on tonight, Mondays. So there's there's your plan. You've got a plan now. So do it. Enjoy it. Cowboys Chargers, Zay. I can't yeah. even – I'm like after what happened against the 49ers, I'm just like show me. I don't believe anything this team tells me. You got to show me. And it starts with Dak. So I'm watching this game because I want to see does Dak, like, where is his fire? Where is his edge? Because, my God, I thought we would have seen it against the 49ers and we saw a train wreck. Chargers are not, I mean, this this is not the 49ers, the Chargers. I expect the Cowboys to freaking bring out some hammers yeah. and get after it. Yeah, as do I. I mean, Dak Prescott, some really bad throws against San Francisco, and it seems like that team seriously has their number who lost this weekend. The man, the Philadelphia Eagles, ended up losing, and San Fran, they got some serious issues to deal with with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel both going out in that game. But if you're Dallas, I mean, you can't take Justin Herbert lightly. Like, this guy in this fourth season has breaking records in this first three seasons. Like, he gets the ball out quick, has a great arm, and when his wide receivers are healthy, there's something for real. I mean, Mike Williams, talk about Quentin Johnston, who they just got as a rookie from TCU, and then Keenan Allen, and then I think they're getting um, – they're running back Austin Eckler tonight, who's in the last few years I think leads the league in touchdowns. So his usage is crazy, especially how they use him as a wide receiver also. So, yeah, the defense for the Cowboys, who's supposed to be their main attraction. They're supposed to be what Michael Parson was saying early in the year. We're trying to be like the 2000 Ravens. Huh. You ain't that, man. You ain't that. So can you get it together to – Maybe put that back together. I don't know. Is Dan Quinn going to figure some things out? With Leighton Vanderish out for a few weeks, we know what happened to Trayvon Diggs. I don't know where Deron Bland is. I know he left that game in San Francisco in the Bay last week. I don't know where his health is coming into this game. But they're a little banked up, and Dan Quinn's trying to figure some things out where everybody fits. And I think the Chargers can exploit that tonight. I know Kellen Moore, that would probably be his favorite thing to take – 
just completely destroy the Dallas Cowboys defense. But Dak Prescott, you're going to have to make some big-time throws, man, because C.D. Lamb, I don't like his attitude right now. Have you seen him in the presser and stuff? That dude just, you know, people asking him questions about why haven't they found any type of rhythm, and he's like, you tell me. I don't know. Like, just kind of <laughs> passive-aggressive, you know. C.D. Lamb, I get it. Dak's not playing well, but you ride that dude. You say, nah, man, we'll figure it out. It's the NFL. It's tough. We get it. We'll figure it out. It's a long season. There's a lot of games to play. We'll figure it out. Bam. That's all you got to say. But C.D. Lamb kind of pounding and stuff. And he is Sooner, so he can't help himself. He's going to do some very suspect shit that he just can't help. And it's because of the university he went to. He can't help that. It is what it is. You just got to live with it. He's a hell of a player, but he's going to do some very questionable things. That's probably because of the alma mater that he came from. So, don't blame CDs. And yeah, I want to see Tony Pollard get going well. I mean, I, I really haven't seen that dude look like a number one running back like we thought he was going to be. Like when Zeke was here last year, yes, Tony Pollard had his best year, but I don't know if it's the leg injury that he dealt with at the end of the season in the 49ers game, which had him out and he had to have surgically repaired. I don't know, but he hasn't been the Tony Pollard that we've come to know in recent years. If he could get back to form, then the Cowboys should be able to take off. But it seems like Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy, they're not as in sync as we thought they would be at this point, losing to the Cardinals and losing to the 49ers. Not good, but hey, if they win, go on a little streak, four games in a row, we ain't even talking about this conversation that we're having now. Can I tell you something? You were talking about C.D. Lamb and his alma mater. Mm -hmm. My wife <laughs> used to tell her kids that the crickets – that just come flying out of the sky at this time of year, all came from Oklahoma. <laughs> like everything See, bad, she knows. everything bad came from Oklahoma. Like yeah. crickets, you know, everything. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, you might play some good football up there. That might happen. It might get you to the league and stuff, but you're going to be corrupt. In some negative way that you didn't even realize. And CD Lamb's attitude, especially as a wide receiver one, I it's trash right now. It's not good. He has to be a lot more upbeat. Like I get it, things aren't going well right now, but dude, the sky hasn't fallen yet. You have a lot of football to be played. Like I get Dak Prescott, you might be frustrated with him, but dog, stand up for your dude. Like we got Bijan Robinson. And over here standing up for Desmond freaking Ritter. Are you serious? Bijan doesn't have to do that, but Bijan's a great person. Where did he come from? Oh, yeah, a big difference, huh? Bijan Robinson, a rookie, already gets it. This dude talking about, yeah, we're all human. I know Desmond puts in a lot of work. I'm just telling him to keep his head up. That's what Bijan said. You're a rookie. That's what he's saying about his trash quarterback who had another bad game yesterday. First loss of his uh, career at home. Going back to Cincinnati, never had a loss before. I don't know how that Falcons team has been saving it at his ass, but I tweeted a picture of Taylor Heineke yesterday. It's about that time, Arthur. That's almost about that time. Because Desmond Ritter, I know y'all invested a lot in, oh boy. I don't think he's it. I don't. And I hope yeah. they don't waste B. John Robinson's years away trying to deal with him. Oh, yeah. 
No, it's Taylor Heineke time. It's, it's, it's time. Taylor Heineke time. <laughs> the last, last thing that Desmond Ritter had going for him was that he was money in home games, and now that's gone. So oh, it he is Taylor Heineke time. Like, it's like, bro, come on, man. <laughs> like, come on. You have two good weapons on this team to look the way you do. And he shows flashes. He shows flashes of why he was selected where he was in, say, third round, you know, and why they have a lot of optimism in him. But good grief. Atlanta should be better than this. Like Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan, like Algier, they should be better than what they showed yesterday against Sam Howe, who looked like money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And don't look now, but the Rangers are rolling. Um, but yeah, her uh, Framber Valdez is getting eaten alive. How about that, man? We'll see. It's early. Yeah. It's early. <clears throat> but Rangers Damn, are up for it. Damn, Framber, is he out? Yo, Dusty. Yo, man, like you might have Dusty choking on his toothpick because this ain't nah. The Rangers scary. They're scary. When you got your knife guy going yard on Justin Verlander like they did yesterday, like one through nine, it's tough to deal with. So if they jump on you early and the Astros aren't good at home, then you see this, you know. But wow, four zero, mm. and Yavaldi's pitching. Watch yeah. out! Yeah, watch out. Might as well chalk this up, Dub. Going two zero back to Arlington. Watch out! Watch out! Hey, and if you're not watching all your sports on the big screen of your dreams, then you need to be in touch with Audiovisual Consultations. Our man Tom McKay. Here's how simple it is. Don't go shopping around for big screen TVs. He's going to beat the price of whatever you find. And then he's going to bring it to your house and his crew. He and his crew are going to set it all up for you. Perfect. No wires visible. Clean. Just like at your favorite restaurants. Because that's what Tom and his crew do. All you have to do is call 255-8678. 255-8678. From the free consultation to installation, Tom and his crew bring everything to you. Take care of it. You don't have to move a muscle. You just say say the word, and here they come with the large screen TV, new lighting, surround sound, surveillance, electronic shades, you name it, audio, visual, consultations, avconsultations.com. Just call that number, 255-8678. Let Tom and his crew bring everything to you. So, Zay, I'm I'm, I'm looking at these, uh, <laughs> and we're going to talk to Dan Neal at 415. So I should I should probably, uh, well, no, we can hit, we can hit the chip shot and the right call after we talk to, to Dan, but what a week this is. Okay, so I have to correct myself. We got F1 coming to Coda. Of course, our Coda text line, 512-222-9328. 
My man Zay is a hawk on the CODA text line. But that is Circuit of the Americas, where F1 is bringing their show this week. And I said that there was a sprint race. There is a sprint race this year, but it's not for qualifying. It's just for added points. So you're going to get a sprint race, and then you're going to get qualifying on like Sunday morning, and then the race Sunday afternoon. So we've not had a sprint race at Coda for F1. We're getting it this weekend. It's going to be insane. So everybody get out to Circuit of the Americas. Uh, if you've never done the F1 thing, I don't know. You're going to have to probably call Centex tickets to get tickets, but it's worth it. Yeah. It's crazy. And they're coming. The airport, I was at the airport this morning, Zay. It's nuts. So already? Oh, yeah. Cause you got ACL. Oh, people are leaving. Yeah. People are leaving. You got F1 people coming. It's give yourself way more time than you think if you're dealing with the airport this week or net or the weekend or next Monday. Give yourself way more time than you think. Cause there's lines for people trying to pick up and drop off that you can't believe. So I'm just saying that might be my biggest anxiety. Just like when I lose my mind is when I have to be at the airport. That's cause you just never know what it's going to be like or what problems are going to have or just flight changes. Like I have so much anxiety when it comes to, going to the airport and just flying somewhere where most likely I'm going to be very relaxed. <laughs> so it's very ironic that I'm, when I'm going to the airport, I'm as anxious and nervous as I don't know what, but the destination I'm going to, I'm going to be chilling and laid out probably on the beach somewhere, living it up. Okay. So CB says, what did Jalen Ford say? Funny that you asked CB. Cause I asked him about having played every snap of the OU game. And if that played a role down the stretch and he said, you know, we just had to communicate better. And, and, and that's true. The obviously on the touchdown, Derek Williams was in motion with Nick Anderson. He didn't pass it off loudly enough in that end of the cotton bowl. David Benda didn't hear it, so he didn't go with Nick Anderson. Um, but a byproduct of that conversation was, I said, Benda has come in for you at middle linebacker whenever you've needed a blow. And he's like, yeah, and maybe they're getting ready to let Leonga LaFau get some reps at middle linebacker. So keep an eye on that because we talked a lot about Anthony Hill, Derek Williams, Malik Muhammad. Could Leonga LaFau be getting ready to get some reps here at, uh, at middle linebacker? So I think they're, they use the off week to get him up and running, get him, you know, intensify his preparation shall we say yeah they think highly of him yeah yeah heard a lot of 
lot of good things, you know, him coming in, what, from Hawaii? Yeah. And, you know, just what he brings to the table, you know, the toughness that he has. It's just about figuring out the college game and just understanding your responsibilities at a position where you have a lot of responsibilities. That could be very overwhelming for a freshman. So, yeah, I mean, as much of rotation to where you're not leaving anything on the table, like there's not much of a drop-off, I'm good with. And if it's taking – seven games for the foul to figure it out, then so be it. And I appreciate Jalen Ford for not, you know, basically saying a weak answer and yeah, I was tired. So I looked bad. Like I get it. He has pride. I appreciate that to, you know, answer the way he did, but he don't have to say it. We saw it. Him playing all of those snaps had to do with his performance point blank period in a game where your heart's racing a thousand miles a minute and you want to make every big time play and Oklahoma is playing at a crazy fast pace. If you're going to leave that guy in for every single play, then we're going to see what we saw. And that was Jalen Ford, not looking like the first team, all big 12 defensive player that we've grown accustomed to. So these are the games where you're playing lesser talent. I'm not saying take Houston lightly or BYU, Kansas State, the rest of your schedule lightly, but I'd rather see LaFowle being thrown in against this these teams than I would Alabama or Oklahoma early in the season. So right. whether PK can figure out some type of rotation, because that's what coaches are going to see from here on out. What did Oklahoma do to beat Texas – that we could apply to our offense. Not everybody's Dylan Gabriel. I get that. But Donovan Smith, yo, that dude, 16 completions for his last throws in that second half, that dude looked good. That dude looked good. And he has a few wide receivers that could go out and get it. Now, can they stay with Texas for all four quarters? I don't think so. But don't let them feel like they have some, you know, faith in the game or feel like they could win it or let them be in the game to where they're gaining more and more confidence. You've got to rip their heart out as quick as possible. And, hey, if LaFowl, if his time is now and he's ready to go and he's ready to be productive, then throw him out there. I have confidence in putting freshmen out because we've seen the freshmen that have already shown that they could be trustworthy and have proven themselves in Ant Hill, Derek Williams, Malik Muhammad on the other side, C.J. Baxter and Jonte Cook. So I'm good with playing fresh. Just got to make sure guys are continuing to stay fresh because you're becoming more and more fatigued because of the games you're playing. So your body's getting more and more worn down. So the more guys, just like Stark said today in the presser, the more guys that you could play is beneficial for everybody and for your roster in the long run. So if LaFowle's another body that could come out and be productive and not have no letdown or drop off, then throw the youngster out there. Yeah. And, and think about, I mean, Donovan Smith, look what he did against West Virginia. 21 of 27, 253 yards passing, four touchdowns through the air. He ran for 34 yards and another touchdown. That's the kind of stuff he did against Texas last year. Last year against Texas, while playing for Texas Tech, he was 37 of 55. 331 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. 
ran for 45 yards and another touchdown. So this dude can get it going. Now I can find you some other games. I get it where it didn't go as well, <clears throat> but when this kid gets it dialed up, he's a problem and he can run. And Jalen Ford, Jade Barron said, we're probably going to see more quarterback run from Houston based on what OU did to us because they saw we couldn't contain Dylan Gabriel. So we'll probably see more. And I said, how much tempo is Houston running? And Ford's like, they haven't shown much on film, but could be coming. Could be coming Saturday at three. I mean, yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd make sure I have my guys out there that I want, that I know are in shape and that could stay in the game for long drives and go at a fast pace, just like Jeff Levy and the Oklahoma Sooners did to the Horns at the Cotton Bowl. Like, yes. That's what I'm saying. Whatever you see on film, you might not see that on Saturday. Like Dana Holgerson, what does he have to lose? You saw those numbers in Vegas. What does he have to lose? Throw a whole new game plan at them that's going to catch them off guard as much as possible because Donovan Smith, talk about how he likes to run. This dude has 67 carries. The next running back has 47 in Jenkins. So Donovan Smith's going to run the ball. And there's going to be some design runs for him or even when he drops back, if he sees that you're in man and your back's turned and you don't got no spy on him, he's going to take off. That's just, that's what he's going to do. And the way that he just cut up Neil Brown's defense last Thursday, like he's confident in his arm now. And those wide receivers, they're helping them out a lot. I mean, you saw Johnson's catch for the Hail Mary touchdown, Man Jack solid, Brown, Golding, you got to worry about him not only on the offensive end but also in the special teams he has two kick returns this season one against tcu the other against um last week against west virginia so yeah this team even though they've lost a lot of games this year they're gonna give you a lot and they're capable of moving the chains if you take them lightly yeah yeah no there's no doubt about it so you gotta you gotta smack them in the face early often don't don't give them any air to breathe and let's see if that intensity is present from texas because one of the things that uh that quinn ewers said as we get ready to bring on our man dan neal quinn ewers said i gotta find a way to get off to get into rhythm faster and then stay in rhythm and obviously he was fantastic the last completed 26 of his last 28 passes against OU 19 straight from the second quarter to the fourth quarter. But the first quarter was like, what the hell's going on around here? Two turnovers, all that. All right, let's, let's bring in Dan Neal. Dan Neal, the All-American offensive lineman, University of Texas, opened holes for Ricky Williams and Priest Holmes as a Longhorn and then helped Terrell Davis as a 2,000-yard rusher for the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. Dan, how you doing? 
I'm good. Zay, what you don't understand about this is I've already hired Chip out, Chip out to <laughs> perform my eulogy. So we work on it every time I come on the show. He's getting better with it. I think it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, he does a hell of a job. That's a good person to hire, man. You're, you're on point with that one. All I know, John Makovic, who was just a pill, he was a yeah. pill, uh, said, Dan Neal is the best pulling guard I've ever seen. And that dude knew football. He coached with Tom Landry and the Cowboys. He was the head coach of the Chiefs. And he was the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. And he said, Dan Neal's the best pulling guard I've ever seen. So that's what I'm going with, Dan. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Now, Dan, <laughs> what the hell's going on with Texas in the red zone? They're yeah. only scoring touchdowns 45% of the time. Yeah. You know, let me tell you what. The red zone's a tricky thing. It's not like what people think. It's like you're close. You should be able – it should be easy. It's actually one of the hardest things to do on an offense is to get it, get it done inside the 25. Uh, the shortened field, your passing attack changes. My my experience, the best remedy for a red zone offense is a great running game. And, you know, I've, I've heard a lot about that Texas, you know, four down, didn't score. Uh, I haven't watched the film, but I've been around football long enough that I guarantee you one or two of those plays, the seam was there, the back just missed it. You know, it's one of those things, and that's kind of where they are is, you know, they are still got some young guys on this team. They have some talent. They're making some good plays, but they're missing plays out there. When you play a good team like OU in that game, you, you can't miss those opportunities. When the seam's there, you got to find and hit it. Yeah, Dan, uh, you know, Chip mentions you pulling when you're doing your <laughs> playing days. What goes into that? Because a lot of guys, as good as they are, just, you know, normal run blocking or pass protection, they can't get out there on those screens or when the ball's tossed like that and move and go head hunt and yeah. find those corners and linebackers and stuff. What goes into that? Because we don't we, – we see that with Sark a little bit, but I want to see it a lot more. And I don't know if that's due to, you know, we hear about Kevin Banks might be dealing with an ankle injury. and They're definitely mm -hmm. a little beat up on that line. But what goes into that? Uh, you know, pulling, there's all kinds of different scenarios that you mentioned right there. Um, I'll start off by saying the number one rule to being a decent pulling offensive lineman is you can't be fat and slow. If, if you can avoid those two things, you can maybe get it done. Unfortunately, people are getting enamored with 360 pounds, and I'm thinking that's just fat and slow. But that's another story. <laughs> uh, there's different things to getting linemen out into open space. Uh, you know, when you're talking screens, that's a different thing than a pulling guard. A pulling guard on a power encounter is I'm taking a few hard steps, and I'm running into a brick wall of a defensive end or potentially linebacker on a power that – are, are able to take on those hits a little bit better. Now, when I'm running a screen, I'm going against a, a DB who isn't looking to take on a hit at all. And, and I had a coach, his, his most famous saying is, when you're out in space like that on a screen, you're you're a donkey running the Kentucky Derby. And that's about right. Those are, those guys are fast, and, and you're trying to get in their way. It's, it's hard to do, and it takes a lot of time to practice. Um, this team does like to do what I call a gap scheme, which is pull and do some powers and counters and things like that inside. And they do like to get their guards moving, moving around, as, as you heard uh, Sarkeesian say. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just something like anything. You just got to practice it and you got to be athletic and get good at it. So, yeah. Dan, that 
that Cotton Bowl game, the the I mean the Texas OU game, what it means, especially in a season like this where Texas yeah. was the number number three team <laughs> in the country. How do you, as a team, get over that? Especially, you know, you've had an off week to yeah doing it. Well, this is the NFL. I mean, you got to remember in the NFL, it's really simple on how you determine if you make the playoffs. If you win every one of your divisional games, you're in the playoffs. You can lose every other game. You have to win your division to get in. That's first and foremost. And then after that, you fall back to your wild card and your overall record, and then your AFC games are your tiebreaker. So there's this formula. So guess what? You're going to lose games throughout the season. Then if you can lose a game outside your division, it's okay as long as you win your division. So you always got to keep in perspective, what is our goal? And the NFL is simple, make the playoffs. And college football should be simple to win your conference. So if your goal is to win the Big 12, and you've lost one game so far, you still control your destiny. In other words, if you win the rest of your games, you're going to be in the Big 12 championship game. So I'd argue with you that game meant nothing to achieving their goal. And you got to keep that perspective. Yeah, we didn't want to lose that game. That sucked. But, you know, it's Texas OU. It's that kind of game. It can go either way. Now you think and we went out, we maybe get another shot of those guys. And then we can win the Big 12. Hell, we've only won three of them. So we'd like to win one more. So you got to – you just always got to put it in perspective. I think, you know, the people who want to jump off the side of a cliff because they lost one game to OU in the last play of the game or they're not they – may, they may not make the playoffs. Are, are you kidding me? I'll take a Big 12 championship, but we're about the playoffs later, you know? And, in fact, I think if you win the Big 12, I think you still got a good shot at it, right? It's all still in front of them, but they have to play better, you know? And they really, if you think about it, they played pretty good against OU. OU just played better that day. So it's not like they, they got to go back to the drawing board. They just need to continually get better each and every week. And if they do that with a, a win against Alabama and Tuscaloosa, which Alabama I don't think will lose again or maybe – Maybe not lose again. I think they're a good team. That's a strong win. So they're going to have a good chance, and they are a good football team. They lost that one game that anything can happen, and anybody tell you, it's Dallas in October. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? You know, it doesn't mean they're a bad team. Yeah, yeah. Dan, Jonathan Brooks right now, one of the leading rushers in the nation. I know my man from Notre Dame probably took that a little higher just because he played and Texas was off. But nobody expected this guy to be this good right now, especially when you lose B. John Robinson and Roshan yeah. Johnson. With what you've seen of him so far, how do you think he looks? And did he surprise you with how good he's been so far in the season? I don't know if he surprised me. I didn't really have anything to base it on. I had never seen him play, but I had heard things that, that, you know, people liked him. I know that they're doing a great job recruiting guys. So when I'm going in the training camp hearing, hey, this young guy, our top recruit is really good. I'm thinking well, he's probably pretty good because, you know, they're getting a lot of great players right now at Texas and he's playing pretty good. So I'm not, not shocked by it. Um, I would say, yes, Zay, to your point, I'm surprised his numbers are as good as they are as early as they are, which is a good credit to him, because I watch him run, and I, I really like him, and I, I feel he can only get better. You know, he, he's just – he's he's good, and he's going to be really good, I feel, when he gets done at the, the 40 acres. Yeah, and yours – I mean, yours starts off the OU game with turn – you know, interceptions <laughs> on UT's first two possessions. Maybe the second one, half his fault, whatever, it bounces off or – you know, yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's, tight ends, yeah. hands, great hit by the safety. Yeah. But but he gets it together, Dan. And he mm -hmm. 
finishes, you know, completing 26 and 28 passes, 19 in a row, school record, breaks Colts record from 2008. I, I thought that said a lot about him able to bounce back from early adversity in that game and get it going. I agree with you, Chip. And I was a little surprised. I mean, that first play, I mean, the first drive, it looked like he was, you know, like lost, which I was surprised. He'd, he'd been in this game before. He understood it. He's been in, you know, so it wasn't that. I, I, who knows? You know, he, he's human. He had a bad start, but he didn't have a bad finish and have a bad day, which is a testament to, to him and his maturity. You know, that, that team needed him, and he played well. He played well enough to win. Sure, he made some mistakes, but so did everybody else on that football field. So, uh yeah, I mean, I've I've been an Ubers fan from day one, you know, watching him play at a young age. I've said all along, the guy can throw the football. Phenomenal talent, and I still believe that. And I think he's really, you know, maturing into that talent for, you know, lack of a better word. But I think he, he really is showing what he can do with his talent right now. And um, it, it's impressive. He, he's a really – he's a good quarterback. And I think the rest of the year he's going to continue to get better. Well, let me ask you this, because you played every position – on the offensive line and Jake majors goes down two and a half minutes into the OU game. The backup centers out with a knee injury. So they go to their third team center, Connor Robertson from Westlake. Yeah. He gets thrown in there. I mean, Jonathan Brooks still runs for a hundred Quinn throws for three, almost three fifty to 100 yard receivers. But how difficult is that? And, as they try to figure things out now, uh, we don't really know who's going to be available to play center <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, two ways to look at this thing. Let me just stop by saying that, you know, I, I, I'm kind of tired of the reporter coming on the sideline and saying, well, he calls the defenses. This is such a critical loss. He's a quarterback of the offensive line. It's, the, the, I'm not taking any away from centers. I, I played it at one time. It's not an easy position, but there's nothing intellectually that they're doing that is astounding me, okay? They're just pointing out the Mike linebacker that everybody knows already, okay? So don't don't get too into that, that they've lost their leader. I, I don't buy that. They lost a good player in Jake Majors, and they're throwing in a guy that hadn't played at all and is young and probably never expected to play in that game. It'd be one of those times, it goes like, you're back up. He's like, Jake, don't get hurt. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, it's not it's not an ideal situation. Hey, he went in there and fought. I was prideful for that. Yeah. Sure, he's playing against good players, and he looked like a young guy. But, you know, all you can do is fight and do the best you can. And, and that, that did hurt him. But, as you said, they still ran. They still threw. They still put up points. They still did a lot of good things with that. And now you got two weeks. And, and I tell you, um, you know, my, my impression of, of – Coach Flood is, I've told you this before, I think, Chip, is there's some of those guys on the offensive line I've been watching for years, and all of a sudden they got good, and he's the only thing that's changed. So I, I think it doesn't matter. I think they got a great offensive line coach. He, he's got five guys on that team that he can get it, roll out there and go play. Yeah. Dan, to piggyback off what Chip was saying about Quinn Ewers, because he talked about today in his press conference that he wants to start mm -hmm. faster and get in a rhythm earlier. But we know every coach, they have their scripted plays to start the game. But sometimes the defense will throw something at you to where that's, those scripted plays aren't going to work. Going back to your playing days, how were you able to see those things? Like we've been prepping all week 
for this yeah. defense. Now they're throwing something else at us. How do we adjust mid-game? Like, you played with Elway. I'm sure he saw that like, <laughs> during his day. But that's like going to your coaches and be like, hey, coaches, they're doing this instead of that. How, how does that work for somebody who played the game? Oh, yeah, that's the fun part when uh, they come out with something you hadn't worked on all week. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. Uh, you're scrambling trying to figure it out. It, it, you know, I'll say this is for the, the script that plays. I, I had the same thing when in Denver. We did the same thing. First 15 scripted. It was an old Bill Walsh thing. I, I At first, I didn't get it. Like, how can you script the 15? How do you? But it actually is pretty accurate that they pretty much stay true to that third situ, third down situation will change it up. You know, but they they kind of stay on because they know what they want to see. Uh, they know that they know the formations, what defense they're expecting, what they feel the defense is going to do, and so they want to see what they do, and then they just off of that. Yeah, I, we played the Patriots one time with a guy named Bill Belichick was coaching them, and they came out in a totally different defense that we hadn't even talked about, and <laughs> we were scrambling all around. And, and yeah, you have some of those where the script doesn't mean anything because we we don't know what's going on, and you know. The, the, but I, I'm babbling here, but I, I would say for Uwers in situation here is that first 15 is nice because the night before the game is you talk about those first 15 plays. So you talk about, hey, let me get in the rhythm, get going. You know what's coming. You know it's there in front of you because you've talked about it, you're ready. And like I said, they're pretty true. So that usually what you talk about is what you see. And um, <clears throat> so I, I think, you know, Sark, my opinion, does a pretty good job of kind of getting him in the flow. But that would be something for him and Sark to talk about. Sark loves the receiver screens early. Ewers may hate those. You know, I don't know. They need to get to on the same page and figure out what Ewers wants to play or what he wants to run early on and, and do that. Yeah. Yeah. This is – and we, you know, we talked about it, man. You know, this Texas team is two-dimensional because Jonathan Brooks has been so tough. I mean, he's he's breaking tackles. He's among the leaders yeah. in force missed tackles. He doesn't have the – you know, the ability to make guys miss in space like Bijan Robinson. He's he's more of an inside zone guy or like we said, gap scheme guy. But mm -hmm. hey man, it's working. They're oh, yeah. they're, they're they're running what he's good at. Well, I mean, you could like I mean last year, obviously we had I think the best back in college football, maybe the, the best back we've seen in a few years, and he's showing us that. And you know, the running game was okay, you know, in, in, with that kind of back. It, it's difficult to run the football, and, and I'm looking at him now, and, and like I said, that offensive line all of a sudden is looking good, and they take a guy that's not running at all in college, and he's one of the best backs in college football, right? It just makes you – man, if Bijan was here this year Because it, it, you could see it. They're, they're getting better at running the ball. I, I mean, Brooks is a good back. There's no question about it. But I, I think with that, those five guys up front, the way they're playing – there's a bunch of guys that can look pretty good, but it's always a combination. You get the right five up front and the right guy behind them. And that's when you start to see some special stuff. And I, I think they're, they're kind of there, you know, they're, they're doing some really cool stuff running the football. And, and you know, I, I still go back to Alabama game when it was that four minute offense and they had to run the ball. I and mean, then they ran the ball. And that's, they, 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 they forced their will upon a really good football team. So yeah, they can run the football. And that chemistry, Dan, between the offensive line and a running back, can you describe when it's when it's clicking and the Yeah, the you know, I, I think part of it is the running back sort of understanding where the seams are gonna be. Uh, like I said, you know, a great running back just never misses a seam. You know, it's it's kind of like that 
you know, wide open receiver dropping a ball, you can't do it. And running back can't miss the scene, man. It's there. You got to hit it. You can't run to the wrong spot. And, and they sort of get a feel for the play and the offensive line and how they run it. And a really great team. You can put, you know, plug guys in and out because you do that system so well. Uh, but it's really hard in college. You don't have the, the years and you don't have the, the reps. So I'd say it is part of that bat getting a feel for the offensive lineman. Also the offensive lineman. Remember, as an offensive lineman, I don't see what's going on behind me. So when I'm going to get a linebacker, I'm going to the linebacker based on where that linebacker is at, figuring he's watching the running back, you know. And so if I have a good feel like where the running back likes to hit the seam and fall back or stay play side, I have a better idea what that linebacker is going to do and where he's going. So these little nuances as you you run the ball, you get better at and you get a feel for each other. Dan, one thing that we saw with Oklahoma's offense that made it very difficult for Texas defense was the pace. They were going at a yeah. very fast tempo, and they weren't allowing those Texas defenders to get those subs in. As an offensive lineman, how tough is that to keep up with that fast pace? Because you mentioned those big slow guys. Some of them, it might take them a while <laughs> to get up the field. and They're probably huffing and puffing, especially when you're moving the chains. Like, What goes into that, and how difficult is it for Old it's not what you think it's harder to react to things than if you know where you're going and the defense has to react the whole time I know the play so therefore I know what's called I know the snap count I know the plays that I'm really going to have to fight hard the other plays where I maybe have some help and, and play action certain things that aren't as difficult I know before it's snapped the guy across me has no clue so they're running and huffing and puffing all around, especially in those quick offenses. A lot of times you're throwing the ball a little bit more. They're rushing the passer. Then they got to turn around and get back to the line where I'm walking. I'm not running. you know. So you do get an advantage in offense wearing them down a little bit as you run that kind of hurry-up offense and don't allow them to sub, and especially if it's a team like Texas that really likes to sub a lot. Dan, you played in Mike Shanahan's system, and now you're watching Kyle Shanahan. (laughs) And I I know the 49ers lost yesterday, but they've run the football. They've won with Brock Purdy, quarterback. What is the secret of the Shanahan system? Really, it's play action, right? You know, football is a numbers game. The offense – already has a reduced amount of numbers because one guy has the football, he can't block, and the quarterback can't really block. So now I'm down to nine guys blocking, and they still have 11 guys on defense. So I got to find a way to hold different guys, and a lot of times that backside in maybe you'll hear about me say, hey, the running back's got to make the safety misses because there's no one to block him. He does have to make the safety miss. So there's that whole numbers game, and how do you attack that numbers? You know, The zone read is you know, so they're trying to freeze that backside in because they got no one to block them. There, you've blocked somebody with nobody. So that's the whole thing is, is based on that when you talk about offenses. That offense does it through the bootleg, through play-action keepers. If you watch, a lot of times is he'll be they'll run the ball enough to make that defense play the run, and then they'll just boot it out, and that backside end crashes down for the run, and there's no one left for Purdy. He just rolls out there, and then you, a lot of times you'll have a George Kittle dragging, or in our case, a Shannon Sharp dragging across the middle, dump, go and you're off, you know, it's, it's impossible to stop when you're running the ball. You just, you don't, you can't account for all of it because as soon as that backside end plays the boot, there's a seam the size of Mack truck can run backside that the running back will hit. So you just, it's really difficult offense. It's not complicated by any measure, but it when run right with the right personnel is very difficult to stop. 
That's good. Dan, stuff. are you shocked that this year's Broncos are one in five? I know you took a peek at that Thursday <laughs> night game. And they, they played the Kansas City Chiefs hard. Like Patrick Mahomes only scoring 19 points. That says a lot. So they played them hard, but just Russell Wilson just looks like an eighth of himself. Like it's been very difficult to watch those Broncos, especially with all the optimism they have with Sean Payton coming in and yeah. Russell Wilson thinking that he's going to be the next coming of Drew Brees. Well, you know, that's why they played them tough on Thursday night. They knew if they win their division, they're in the playoffs. That's their only hope now. So they knew they had to win that game, right? And they played like a team that knew that. Uh, but they're just not good enough. Uh, you know, I haven't watched them as close as others. Um, I, I know that I've heard some comments from friends about effort of some guys and where they're at right now. I, I just don't know. Uh, I know this that they have a great ownership group. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to meet them, understand and talk to some of the people in the organization about what they're doing, the direction they're going in. And they'll be, they'll get it right. I mean, you would even say that the fact that hired Sean Payton, you know, maybe the top coach in football last year, or, you know, a un, un, guy looking for a job in football last year, they paid the money and they gave up draft pick. They went and got him. So they're doing all they can to win. And they are saddled with a big problem in Russell Wilson. I'm not saying he's the problem, but, that's a huge contract. And, and then they got to start asking questions about some other guys. And there's other guys I've questioned for years on that team, but they're, they'll get it right. No, they're not going to playoffs this year. And it's going to take a little bit, but they'll get it right. And they'll, they'll be good before too long. Dan, what, uh, anything else stand out to you about this uh, Texas Longhorns team heading into the second half of the season? You know, for me, you know, Chip, as I said, you know, before is everything they want to accomplish is still in front of them. Nothing's changed. They control their destiny. Um, you know, I kind of watched that OU game and said that OU is a good football team, but there, I couldn't find one guy in OU's team that I'd take over one guy in the Texas mm -hmm. team. I, I still think Texas is a very good football team. They just weren't better that day, and, and there's no shame in that. They lost a good team. And they played well. That's all right. You can you can keep going. You know, you're going to have some days like that. I'm impressed with the where they are as far as proximity to the ball. I think this team's always struggled on the defensive line and offensive line for years and years and years and years and years. And, years. and right now, I think both both those areas are strong, really good. I love the linebacking core. I love the way they get after the passer, and I love the way they run the football. And, and to me, that's that's football. If you do those things, you can be a good football team. And that's why they beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. You know, don't kid yourself. Alabama's a good team. Is they did those things and Alabama wasn't ready for that. Yeah. Well, that's why we bring Dan Neal on the show. <laughs> Dan Neal played the game in the trenches, knows what this is all about, cuts through the crap, has the voice of reason. Dan, you're the man. Hey, guys, I appreciate it. It's always great talking with you, and especially talking about football now. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, appreciate yeah. you, Dan. <laughs> We're here for you, Dan. Whenever you need to talk some football, you just – Oh, yeah. I'll call you up. All right. <laughs> there he is. The All-American, the two-time Super Bowl winner, Dan Neal. All right. Let's do it again soon, Dan. All right, guys. I appreciate it. I had a great time. All right. Appreciate you, Dan. Thanks, man. All right, Zay. Good seeing you, Chip. Good seeing you. All right. There he is. Love that dude. Good stuff. All right. Zay, I'm just telling you. If, uh, if you're looking for great furniture, great, like not good, just 
this is not just like any furniture store. It's great blue heron furniture, handcrafted, the best made, the best looking, the high-end leather furniture. And we have our own collection. That's right, the Texas Sports Unfiltered collection. Just click the uh, the great blue heron furniture um, SIG right there on our YouTube channel. It's going to take you to the Texas Sports Unfiltered collection. Use the promo code HOOKEM. You're going to get 15% off. And this is great furniture. Look, you need to go check it out. Don't take my word for it. Check it out. Great blue heron furniture. Best made. It's not built for years. It's built for a lifetime. It's not going to be like some of those couches or chairs you bought, you know, just trying to make it out of college. This is the good stuff, folks. So get to uh, Great Blue Heron Furniture. All right, Zay. Um, I'll give you a little chip shot here. I'm just going to tell you, I've been covering sports for 30 years plus. Um, yesterday, I just, yeah. Yesterday, I took, <laughs> the, I took, I just, Became a fan yesterday. And uh, thanks to my incredible wife, the lovely Elle Bell, she, uh, she arranged for us to go to the Lions-Bucks game, have a weekend in Tampa for Texas' off weekend. And I can't remember the last time I went to a game as, like, just a fan. And it was a blast. We, we had a great time. We had great seats. We were behind the Lions, um, you know, bench, beautiful day, all that. And the Lions winning was incredible. And there were so many Lions fans at the game that afterward, and you could hear them chanting all throughout the game, you know, defense and go Lions go. And after the game, the, the hallways out of the stadium was all Lions fans yelling go lines go so look it's a starved fan base the bobby lane curse all that they haven't been relevant in decades and it was just fun to be a part of it for a nfl sunday and to see them play as well as they did and who knows what the season holds but i gotta give it up to dan campbell because I think he levels with his guys. He played the game. He was a, you know, he played tight end for the Cowboys, Giants. He played for Lions. He went to AM. He's a tough guy, but he he's not, he's no BS. You know, like he levels with the guys. He's like, guys, we're not going to hit every day, but we're going to hit today. You know, we're going to, we're going to get after it today. I need it from you today. And I think guys appreciate that. And I think they believe in him. They believe in this coaching staff. They believe in Jared Goff. And and I think they believe in the direction that they're going. And right now you're seeing a team that's, you know, coming together and fighting. And I, I love it. And yesterday I just got to be a fan. It was great. And I just wanted to. A, thank my wife for that incredible trip. B, 
Go Lions, go, man. Let's go. Dan Campbell in the in the crew. Amon Ross St. Brown. And that block by Craig Reynolds to free Amon Ra on that touchdown, that was the best. That was Quan Cosby-esque when he yeah. lit up that buccaneer in his creamsicle orange. And that was the other thing. Yeah, It was creamsicle day in Tampa, and the Lions came in and just ripped those creamsicles all to shreds, man. Yeah, Baker, those jerseys were too clean for you to play like that, my guy. That's a good look. That's not a good look whatsoever. And you talk about your Lions, those fans starving like shoots. I could see y'all's ribs. That's how bad it looks. Y'all are going to be more hungry for any type of success up there in the Motor City. And, yeah, this seems like an opportunity that y'all haven't had in a long time. Like that team last season in 2022, they ended really well. You know, beating the Green Bay Packers, kicking them out the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers' last game ever at Greenbow wearing the cheese head. And they took that momentum into this season. And you're right about Dan Campbell. Like, as much as I hate praising Aggies, the dude's got it. The dude's figured it out. And he's relatable. He gets it. He understands, you know, the intensity that he brings every Every day. Yeah, he has a lot of meathead in him, biting the kneecaps and all that stuff. That will always be quoted. And I'm sure you saw shirts have it saying that saying, you know, in Tampa Bay with Lions fans rocking it. But those guys, like, he's hired all guys that he could trust, like Aaron Glenn. And when you got Mark Brunell as your quarterback coach and stuff like that, like, just dudes that did it at a very solid level in the National Football League that want to give back to their game that they love. And, yeah, when you have the Bears looking like how they look, the Vikings looking like how they look, the Packers looking like how they look, it's a grand opportunity for the Lions who have taken full advantage of it. We talked about it earlier. Just that wide receiver room that they have is ridiculous with Amon Ross St. Brown leading the troops. You got Jamison Williams back, which that was a beautiful pass to golf for that 45 yarder or 47 yarder to number nine. Like he could absolutely go the Alabama product. And then you got, um, the other Josh Reynolds, who was very underrated, and then Sam Laporta, who, you know, great pickup as a rookie tight end for Jared Goff to have just that security blanket as just a huge target to throw to on those third and eights or third and tens where Amon Raw's getting double coverage and bracket coverage and stuff like that. So I'm very impressed with Detroit. Like, I'm on the bandwagon. I am hopped on. I still think that they might be a little step away from Philly and San Francisco, but we saw yesterday uh, those teams are vulnerable too. Those teams ain't like they perfect. It ain't like they're going to be the 77 Dolphins or anything. They lost. Like you, The Eagles, they didn't look good against the Jets, who have a good defense, and San Francisco didn't look good against the Browns, who have a good defense. So the Lions are right there. They're right where they want to be, and if they keep – Raking out these wins, maybe they could get some home field advantage that could desperately be needed when the postseason comes around. You imagine these Lions with Jalen Carter? It's tough. All right. I'm going to let that go. You can't let it go. This comes in from Brock. He says, Mike McCarthy has been exposed as the outdated play caller he is. 
you look around the league and see Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, the enemy Reed, Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson, the Lions, etc. And the Cowboys really have McCarthy calling plays. Well, tonight's the night. It's the Kellen Moore Bowl. Monday night football, kids. We'll see what it's all about. Head over to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking and check it out. All right, Zay. I'm going to get uh, you ready for the, you ready to make the right call? Yeah, man. But let me hit y'all about Covert BK first. Covert Auto Group, the family owned automotive dealerships that have been around the greater Austin area for over a hundred years and have been committed to providing that high quality selection in new and pre owned vehicles. The beautiful 42 acres down there in BK. Texas with just absolutely beautiful cars and terrific brands, seven of them to be exact, Cadillac, GMC, Buick, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep. You're going to find what you want at Covert B Cave. So that SUV that you want, they got it. That two-door car that you want, they got it. Even just that nice family vehicle, soccer mom type car, they'll Find it for you. And if you want to look for it yourself, go to covertbcave.com and you can see the specials and inventory. Shout out to Dan Covert and the Covert family at Covert B Cave. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. All right, All right kids. Yeah. It is now time for the right call with Zay Collier. Yeah, man. I appreciate the love. Appreciate the love. Um, the right call today is um. I wouldn't say it's dark or too deep, but it kind of is just because this player and fellow has a certain place in a lot of Longhorn fans' hearts. And I'm talking about NBA player, former Texas alum, Kai Jones, who got drafted by the Charlotte Hornets a few years ago in the first round. Um, the last time we saw Kai in the Texas uniform, it was to that loss against Oh, gosh, I don't even – who was that loss to where Shaka got the boot? The purple team. Gosh. Oh, no. Uh, no, 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 that knocked him out. I erased it from my brain because it was so devastated. Northern Iowa, Iowa? No. No, no, no. Uh -huh. Purple team, they're Northern. from Texas, very small D1. Oh, Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian. Thank you, Chip Brown. Thank you, sir. Abilene, Abilene Christian. The Abilene yes. Christians. Yeah. Yes, where Shaka freaking smart had three NBA drafted players on that team and you lose first round, which led to his demise as the Texas coach and led to Chris Beer, which we don't have him there. Now we got Coach Terry, so everything's looking good. But Kai Jones, Chip, got cut the other day from the Hornets. And I don't think it's necessarily because of his play, but Kai Jones needs help. Kai Jones has kind of lost his way and like mental, emotional, just like trauma, the fact that he's dealing with something that's beyond basketball. Like he needs some serious help because if you look at what he says on Twitter, the like weird dancing videos that he does, and we're in the TikTok era, like that's what these kids do, Gen Z, like they dance in front of the camera, even the hardest dudes. I saw Texas football. They got a really weird TikTok going around where they're doing some 
what you would think questionable things, but that's just the kids nowadays. That doesn't make those guys any less tough or football. Like it's just, yeah, that's just where we are nowadays. So Kai Jones, Chip, he's made a rap song, you know, where he, he's calling himself the GOAT. And he's just acting very odd for somebody at that age to where you've been given a lot of money. And I don't know where your focus is at because you're paid to play basketball. That's where you got that money from. That's where you've gotten this lavish life from. You're, you're paid to play basketball. And I don't know if Kai Jones has lost that just will or that urgency to work hard and understand that, yo, I'm a professional now, so there's a certain way I have to carry myself, but it's concerning. It's concerning to see Kai Jones. And I know certain Texas fans, they kind of can make fun of it. I've seen people say, oh, I'm getting ready for game day this week. And you'll see like Kai Jones dancing in the video and stuff. And like, that's all cool. But now with him getting cut, it's become a problem. Cause I don't know if any NBA teams are going to take that risk to pick him up due to, his off the court issues. Like it's serious. You're talking about a dude that again, calling himself goat all the time. He wondered why he like asked on Twitter, yo, is Kai Jones. All right. And Kai Jones like responded something ridiculous to him. Like, yeah, I'm I, this and that, this and that. And then Terrence Ross said, so I'm going to take that as a no. And like, it's just weird. It's just weird to see the Bahama native because at Texas, you didn't have any off the court issues, which I'm going to ask you because you got to see him up close and personal, got to interview him. Like, it seemed like he always had a good, good head on his shoulders. I saw Greg Brown talking about Kai Jones the other day saying that, yeah, he's going through some stuff, but also that's Kai. Like he's has a very outgoing extrovert type personality. So I get that, but just everything that I've seen in the last four months of Kai Jones has all been worrisome, and I hope he gets the help that he needs so he could get back in the NBA and focus on basketball because he still has a lot of potential, only 22 years old, had a very good last season at Texas. I thought he was the best player in that season, maybe Matt Coleman, but Kai Jones, I thought he had the most upside, especially with Jericho Sims and Greg Brown also getting drafted that same year. It's just odd to see him lose his way like this so early. But, yeah, I hope he gets some type of help that he desperately needs. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I'm glad you, you pointed that out because um... – you know, he came, he just, he like surpassed expectations, you know, when he was recruited to Texas, I don't think anyone saw him like developing as quickly as he did into that, you know, bouncy 6'10 guy with handle. And, and it was like, wow, you know, great job, great evaluation, great development, because that dude turned into an NBA player. And, and so, you know, the too much, too fast thing. And Zay, I'll turn this back to you. If you get in with the wrong team, if you don't have the right leadership, coaching, management, players around you, 
in you you can lose your way you know I don't know I don't know Kai well enough to know like what makes him tick or what his situation was in Charlotte but um man he's got a lot of longhorn dudes he can you know who should be able to reach out and help him guide him and I don't know what that situation looks like because we know Durant has been so helpful to all the Longhorns who've come into the NBA, you know, since Durant's been there, you know, DJ Augustine was a longtime guy in the league who would help, help guys out. And, and so, you know, man. Well, well, like here's a little example of like what I'm talking about with Kai Jones. So this is him. I guess his girlfriend plays soccer in college somewhere and he was at the game doing this not in the stands like normal folk but i'm gonna show by phone this is him dancing with glasses on looking like a crackhead on the field why is why, why his girlfriend is playing soccer like that's not normal that's not and like that this is him also just like turning up to his own music i'm sure but just sit in the stands and be cool, you know? And you're right. Like the Charlotte Hornets, worst organization in the league when it comes to any type of leadership because they have multiple players on that team that have dealt with the law in obviously a negative way. And their best player, LaMelo Ball, was LaVar's son. So how can he be a leader? Because we know what he came from. We know he's a good player and stuff, but they just they got Miles Bridges who had some his domestic problems. They drafted Brandon Miller, the Alabama dude that you remember had the gun. Yeah, that's who they drafted. So like they they keep on getting these guys, and there's no old head there that could say, Hey, this is wrong. Like one of my favorite NBA stories ever was when Charles Barkley, we talked about getting drafted by the Sixers. And just how Charles didn't know how to be a grown-up. And Julius, Dr. J. Irvin, took him under his wing and was like, hey, man, we don't need these cars. Let's go get us a few suits. Let's meet some people so you can network because this basketball thing ain't forever. You need guys like that. Like Julius Irvin had that figured out. He put his arm around young Charles Husky Barkley and said, yo, I got you, man. I got you. You, you don't know now, but you'll, you'll get it. But you have to also allow yourself to accept that leadership. So right. I don't know who Kai Jones' team is because they all got a team. Everybody has any. Everybody in the NBA has guys that work for them and your posse that you bring around. I know LeBron doesn't like that word, whatever group entourage that you have around. Entourage. Yeah, exactly. Do you, are those positive people? Are those people that are making your life better and not trying to take advantage of you and telling you like, yo, man, you're losing your mind. This is going to be a problem when the Hornets try to pick up your contract. Because with what I've seen of Kai Jones on social media the last four or five months, I knew he was going to get cut. I knew it. I was like, ain't no way, even with all the luggage that the Charlotte Hornets have with other players, ain't no way. This dude looking like a crackhead, acting like a crackhead, rapping and stuff. No way they're going to sign him back. Because Kai Jones, I 
love him as a Texas alum and stuff like that. I, again, I wish him the best, but his basketball doesn't overtake what he's doing off the court. Like, it's not like he has a Kevin Durant skill set. It's not like he's James Harden. Like, James Harden's had, like, five different chances. It's not like he's doing anything ridiculous off the court legal-wise, but James Harden does have his baggage, too. But James Harden's also going to Springdale, Massachusetts in the Hall of Fame when he retires. So, like, you're going to deal with some of what James Harden brings to the table. And, yeah, man, like, even in Europe, I'd be worried about Kai because now he's away from family. He's around like there's probably going to be a language barrier. Those guys are all about ball. That's the reason why you're here. Is anybody going to take a chance on them there? Like Kai Jones might have outed himself out of the NBA just because he's too much of a risk to pick up if he doesn't handle whatever issues that he has going on in that Medulla Oblongata. Wow. Wow. Yeah, first round pick in 2021. Two two good years. I mean, two NBA years with the Hornets the last two seasons. And looks like he had uh I mean, he was set to make 3 million plus this year. And he was guaranteed um he was guaranteed $5.68 million. Yeah. I mean, that's some solid coin. You're a millionaire. Like, put that away somewhere. Don't spend it too crazy. Like, you're you're living good coming from the Bahamas. So, I don't know. Like, here, here's one of the videos where I, this is one of the videos where I saw, oh, yeah, the dude's completely lost it. Because before I just saw some dancing and I was like, oh, he just likes to dance a little bit. You know, he's like one of these other youngsters out here. <laughs> when he when he dropped this. See. <laughs> see what i mean like that when i saw that i'm like what are you saying i get it you're from the bahamas so you have a different type of slang but you're just going a million miles a minute like you look like you're on something dude you look like you're on some stuff like some Nino Brown stuff that might give you that Bobby Brown jaw. Like you don't want you stay away from that. <laughs> you don't want that Bobby Brown jaw. You don't want oh. that. You don't want that. Bobby, Bobby's Jeez. mouth is over here, but his jaw's right here. Like you don't want that. You know what I'm saying? Like he's too young, and I'm sure I hope he gets a turnaround, but he needs some serious help. If you're a friend of Kai, help him. Help him. Jericho Sam, Shaka Smart. Chaka smart, like this is this might be like, hey, dude, come come to come to uh, Wisconsin, come watch us practice, just come come hang out. I just want to see where your head's at because Shaka has some connections. Like, if Shaka did what he was supposed to do, which I know we got to get off and hit five, but Shaka needs to hit him up and be like, hey, man, I'm concerned. What you just got cut? How are you? Where are you at? Because Kevin Durant, 
this dude, Kevin Durant, posted a video of him listening to Kai Jones's album. I'm like, KD, you're not helping, bro. You're not helping. Bobbing your head to that new Kai Jones single. You're not helping, man. Kai Jones, get your help, dog, please. Man. All right, here's here's a question for you. Are we going to the orange-white scrimmage tomorrow night together? Oh, you gonna have to make that by yourself. If it was that mood, if it was at the mood, I'm good. I'm going. Gregory, nah, I nah, I'm all right. I'll wait till the first game of the season to see those horns. And I don't know if Caden Shedrick is he cleared? Is Caden Shedrick and Dylan DeSue cleared? I don't know if they're cleared yet. I know that that scares me because that's a few. If those guys ain't playing, that you could already chalk up some losses. You go to Louisville, you go play Marquette. Okay, okay, okay. Slow down, slow down. Let's see if they're cleared. Let me find out okay. first. Don't okay. Don't get me, don't, don't get me seeing uh, trouble spots before I need to see trouble spots. All right, all right. Let me know. Yeah, I know you and BK will be there, so let me know. Because uh, trouble spots is kind of what the Astros are seeing right now, although they're on the board. Five to two, top of the fifth. Mm. I see a lot of our audience checked out to the baseball game when I brought that up, so that's on me. I shouldn't have brought it up. Um, but, Zay, let's do it again tomorrow, my man. Yep, sounds good. We'll be back at one. All right. Cool. Peace.